1: Diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash and loss of appetite. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
0: is going on a road trip. I thought in that
3: moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in
2: the house and I screamed. (laughs)
0: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at PurdueGlobal.edu. That's how
2: we own it! What's good, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory.
3: And it's your boy, my son, General.
2: And we are your hosts of Street Politicians, the the place place where the the streets streets and and politics meet. What's going on, my son? I
3: am blessed and highly favored, man. Father's Day, Juneteenth, long weekend for me, man. Long Long weekend.
2: weekend. Long weekend. Father's Day was a good day in New York. Um, The whole weekend, a lot of people did a lot of Black stuff getting together, Black people getting together, doing Black stuff, and I, I like that. I liked Father's Day falling on Juneteenth. It's, it was something special about it.
3: It was, it was, um, you know, it was good because it was a lot of men being celebrated. It was freedom being celebrated. Mm-hmm. We did so many different things. I, I did a, a rally with my brother, A.T. Mitchell, on Saturday, and then we did our march on Sunday. And then um went around to a bunch of picnics with my kids drove them crazy. But um
2: no, we also fed 350 people. Oh, yeah. Get that. We fed
3: 350 people. Shout out to the um to, what's the name of the bus? Raymond,
2: I have to I forget the name cuz I just know unique as the young lady who has the um
3: it's called
2: the, the uh food Diva, truck.
3: Diva Diva Hold on. Now we got we got it. We got to shout that out.
2: Make sure we give her, her proper Dude, for feeding 350 people yesterday in the bronx uh that was it was really cool like you know to watch the folks show up well what was interesting is how i don't know if anyone else experiences this and i guess it's happened it happened to me when someone says it's free people were looking at us they were like what you mean it's free they didn't believe
3: nobody it's called food fetish the truck is called food fetish okay Shout out to my homegirl unique um She's had, that's one of her, her um, entrepreneurial businesses that she started, it's good food. And uh, we fed everybody that came by on 161st street in the Grand Concourse, we fed, you know, so it was, it was a good day. But leading up to this day, Tamika, was crazy to me because, you know, I had all these things to do and I needed to be in New York and my flight was canceled. I was supposed to be back here on Thursday night and my flight got canceled just randomly. Like I'm on my way to the airport and randomly they just send me a notification. First it was your flight is delayed an hour. The next thing I know, your flight is canceled. Mm. I'm like what the hell? Like but that be-
2: happens? Flights get canceled.
3: Nah, they don't get canceled. Like this is not something that happens to me. Like you know what I'm saying? My flight doesn't really get canceled and and then we heard we heard that there were so many flights canceled. Over six thousand flights were canceled within those days.
2: It, uh, it happened. This it, it was six thousand five hundred just on the day that you were caught up. Then yeah. the next day, my flight was canceled. Some to where did I, where was I going to DC? And that was part of another five thousand flights. So it's been each and every day. They've been canceling thousands of flights. It's crazy.
3: It's crazy, and it but was, they're
2: charging massive money for the tickets.
3: They cancel your flight, then when you're trying to do something else, they're trying to charge you two and three thousand dollars to get a flight. Places that normally cost three or four hundred dollars. Like I don't even understand. Like price gouging at its best right now. Like the, I don't know what these airports are trying to do. These airlines are trying to get some money back. Some people say it's jet fuel. They don't want to spend the money on jet fuel. So they're trying to make sure all of the flights are packed. Then there's people saying that there's no workers. But whatever it is, it's coming out of our pockets. It's, it's inconveniencing us. I had to get back here on Friday. I had to rush, miss my kids, things that I was supposed to do with my children. So to take my son to the doctor, I was supposed to pick them up. Then I had to rush and try to get ready for the rally had to get t-shirts it was so many it was i was so backed up man so i don't know who else experienced these flights but i i seen something with rick ross was talking about it says something yeah. that if you know if you book him for a flight you got to book him now you got to rent him a jet because they're canceling flights he's like his his price is fifty thousand dollars to book because he needs a private jet because the flights are not are, are just getting canceled and he doesn't even want to deal with that. No more. So it's- but that
2: has been it has been a thing that's been happening. I remember being I don't know where I was. Anyway, they have been changing flight times, canceling flights. And I know there are a lot of people that have different reasons why they think it's happening. But um, when you really get down to the bottom to like, though, as they say, the nitty gritty of it all. Uh, one thing we know for sure is that pilots have been complaining about being overworked. So that's that's definitely an issue that pilots have been saying they're not going to work. Like, you know, once they finish flying into a particular place, there is an expectation or maybe the airlines, I don't even know if they, because we we can't really speak on behalf of folks. We don't, we, we're not in those conversations. But just from chatter and reading a few uh, stories online, what I have found is that Pilots are saying that once they get to a particular place, rather than them flying back or, you know, continuing to a next location, they shutting it down and going in because they're tired.
3: So so what? So I guess the pandemic has caused just pilots to say they quit. They don't want to work no more.
2: But see, see, this is the thing. And this is where you and I. Well, I think you finally came to an understanding around the pandemic. People died. Lots and lots of people, hundreds of thousands of people. We're probably at like a million people at this point who died as a result of either having COVID and then getting complications or caught up in the healthcare system and you know things happened to them and they didn't get the proper care. That is, regardless of whether you want to say, well, it wasn't actual COVID in their blood, but the problem is that. COVID came, and when COVID became an issue, as a result of it, it impacted a lot of people, and people died. You lost airline stewardess, you lost pilots, you lost just people in general, and with with so many pilots being older, older, Um, you know, being, uh, you know, I mean, it's not many black ones, but anyway, there's so many that are older, what have you, people probably retired, like who the hell wants to be on a plane closed in with other individuals or having to go through airports and traveling around with folks when you could potentially get a, a sickness that you don't want. And you can retire, you actually can retire at this point. So you had a lot of that element then you have people who work in in restaurants and other things that just because of you know them learning maybe new skills new things uh, ways to stay home and work they're not trying to go back out there so the whole system is thrown off everything is all over the place and the airlines is caught up as a part of that but the the faa and whoever else is responsible for Airlines and 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 um, travel—they need to get on top of this because I'm telling you that plane tickets are super expensive. You don't book the travel. That's what Linda and I do. Well, Jamie actually physically books the travel, but the approval for all the rates and everything—it has to come through either Linda or me. And we are seeing numbers that are making us say we're not traveling places. It's crazy. Like for instance. Um, in a few days, we were supposed to be in LA to be honored by our girl, Miss Diddy, and even she, when she heard that the price for a ticket could be up to three thousand dollars, and that wasn't even in um, uh, in first class, she's like, "You can't come. You just can't be there. It's too expensive."
3: Yeah, it's it's, it's outrageous, man, and and I don't understand. It's not like they're giving you no extra services. Like y'all yeah, ain't added nothing to it. It's actually like you're taking away. We was on a plane the other day where, you know, a, a, the, you know, a lady, quote unquote, was in the back that They had to give her IV. No, she was the service. she had the IV. Yeah, I had to get really? IV. And <laughs> um, real had get IV. But they cut off the services. We couldn't even get snacks or anything because Only they had you no know, water, anything, on a three-hour flight. And I'm like, but y'all charging us this ridiculous amount of money. The services have been cut most of the time. Sometimes they ain't got Wi-Fi. It's like, come on, airline. Y'all got to get That's it
2: together. They act, you know what? The airlines is acting ghetto. We need yeah, to they gotta they, get. It, they be in ghetto.
3: They got to get it together, man. But um, it was it, that was one of the worst experiences because even after that, they postponed my fight to the next day. And then it was one time. Then it was three hours. I didn't end up getting back until supposed to be at home Thursday at about 9, 10 o'clock at night. And I didn't get home. To Saturday morning at two AM. Crazy. So they don't care nothing
2: about your kids, your life, your nothing, mama. Unbelievable. And And that's the
3: first time that I was in Miami, and I did not want to be in Miami. (laughs) Miami is one of my places that I love to be at, and it's always like a good getaway. It's you know beautiful weather, tranquility, and everything. But I I did not need to be there, and I didn't want to be there, and it pissed me off.
2: (laughs) Well two other news. The airlines is news story number one today. They got to do something. We need to call on the federal government to freaking check the airlines and see what the hell is going on. Um, But the next story is uh, of Henrietta Lacks. Now, we heard about Henrietta Lacks from attorney Ben Crump. um, And in fact, in his new film Civil, which was released this past weekend on Juneteenth, uh, Civil that is on on uh, Netflix, and people are going to get tired of us because we're going to be talking about... Listen,
3: it's one of the best documentaries that I've ever seen. Like, awesome. it, It's a, it's an awesome depiction and just overall understanding of what it is that Ben Crump do- does because there's so many people who have the wrong idea what, about what he does, who he is, even what kind of attorney he is. Like, You know what I'm saying? I've had so many people say, yo, you always get Ben Crump, but he always loses it. And I'd be like, well, I don't even know if Ben Crump ever lost anything, because I don't even know. I don't think that y'all understand the difference between a civil attorney and the DA. Like the DA Mm -hmm. is the person who tries these cases that, you know, police brutality and wrongful—all of these. The DA is responsible for that, and Ben Crump, as a civil lawyer, is responsible for being able to sue and and gain monetary, you know, value and, and relief based on. The, the trauma that comes from the situation. So that's his only job and people don't know that. So just watching this and then you get a, a real idea of what it is that he does and see how serious it is and how engaged he is and how much for our people he is, man. And and me knowing that altogether just gives me a reference point now. Like people yeah. tell me, oh, Ben Crump is all right, well go watch, go watch Civil. Well,
2: and you then, know, he, he also, and and, and it is his, his main job is to get um Punitive damages for families, but that's not the only thing that he does. He advocates for these families. He stands that's with them. The I'm he just helps, saying his job, right? His, he helps to navigate these families through their, you know, crises when, in terms of the the tragedy that they're experiencing. He also helps to advise the district attorneys and you know those people who are involved in fighting the case that they don't have to listen to him. Because there was something happening during the uh, McMichael's trial for killing Ahmad Arbery. there was this moment when, um, when, when the when the when the, when the uh, defense attorney started talking about Ahmad Arbery's feet, his toenails, and you know, bringing up other things that was clearly racial slurs. And I remember all of us being there and when we would have our huddles, because, of course, the family um, and other individuals and lawyers of the, the civil attorneys for the families would be inside the courtroom. And then we were in the spillover area. And as soon as it break, you know, court would break for any reason, they come out and all of us get to huddle and talk through what to do and, you know, what do we hear? And and they explain to us. You know, uh, Attorney Lee Merritt was there because obviously he represented Wanda Cooper, which is Ahmaud Arbery's mother. And then you had uh, Ben Crump there representing uh, uh, Ahmaud's father. And so they would come out and they would advise us and there would be other legal members to help us understand what's happening and also to hear our feedback. And our feedback was that the uh, district attorney needed to go back on race, needed to hit them hard on the issue of race. We were like, why won't she bring up what she sees happening here. And so we know that uh, that attorney Crump and, and, and attorney Merritt, they did go back and say something about it, but she still didn't take their advice. So to your point, the district attorney does not have to listen to anything from the civil attorney. And in fact, doesn't even have to really speak to them other than to get some of the evidence that they're looking for. But sometimes they do. So people do need to understand. And I think the film, as you said, is very, very educational it's educational at the best, but Henrietta Lacks is another case because another part of the film that we just, they're going to get tired of us talking about Ben Crump, but I don't care. We'll make sure but, the middle part is civil. No, 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 well, with Henrietta Lacks, um, the thing, yeah, another part of civil where they talk about how People believe that the only cases Ben Crump fights are things that's in the media. Like, oh, he's just looking for attention. He's just going for the highest number. Guess what? Henrietta Lacks was a little old lady that her daughter-in-law happened to be at an event. And while she's sitting in the midst of this luncheon, she hears a doctor talking about uh, some cells that they got from an elderly woman's body. And, and, she's, and he's explaining the story. And I don't know, of course, because I've never talked to his daughter, nor have I really, really researched enough about what happened that triggered her to ask more questions. But it's clear that the research went on from there and come to find out it was her mother-in-law's body that, was, that these cells, which they call immortal cells, were extracted from. So now think about that. Who the heck knows a lady named Henrietta Lacks who was born in Virginia, moved to Baltimore. Like, you know what? But yet, and still, they got in touch with Ben Crump, and he is suing John Hopkins University because a doctor from John Hopkins, from the hospital there, is responsible for, uh, you know, taking this woman's cells. So this, this it is crazy. But you know what, my son, organ
3: harvesting is a thing, though. That's the thing. That is a thing. It's a real thing, and a lot of people say that's what a lot of these kidnappings and you know, missing people are that people are are kidnapping and and taking people for organs, and then they also say their bodies, when you bury your bodies that you got to come back and check because they're organ, organ organ harvesting, they're taking the organs out of the body, I know somebody said that they had to re-dig up a body because they needed to do some DNA research and all the organs have been removed, everything, there was nothing but a shell of the body. So this is a thing, and and it's crazy. And and they said that these organs are very, very expensive and worth a lot of money.
2: The same thing happened to, what's his name? Kendrick Johnson.
3: Kendrick Johnson, yes.
2: That was killed in uh, Vasta or Valdasta, Valdasta, Georgia, uh, where they found his body wrapped up in a mat behind the bleachers um, and come to find out the two people who are suspected to have been involved. Their their students also. This was this was a high school student and these a high school athlete um, and these other kids are also high school students. And where they found the the body and the whole story, it points directly to these two young men whose father or grandfather is uh, worked at one time for the FBI. So, but when they did find his body, and you know his parents had their own autopsy, his organs had been removed. Even his fingernails had been clipped; like the butts of his fingers were gone because they, you know, were trying to get rid of evidence. So, as you said, this is a real thing.
3: It's unbelievable, man. So this Henrietta Lack situation, when I when I heard it, it was just weird. It was like, what's the what is the chances that someone's daughter-in-law? It's somewhere and they just hearing somebody speak, and she realizes that it would be her, you know, somebody, her husband's family. Like, what is the, what is the chances of that?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that the chances are nothing but God that 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 these people have to be exposed for what they what they've done to us and what they continue to do. And so now there has to be a reckoning. And thank God she was there. She did hear it. I think this happened 70 years ago, you know. So this has been a thing
3: for me is like, why, why, why is it taking so long for you to acknowledge that this is just completely wrong? And the family. I mean, why do you ask? Why
2: ask why? This this is is, like
3: why do we go through shit like this? Like, why, why is there processes? they're taking this long that we,
2: we have America. To it's America. That's why it's America. But anyway, with that being said, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know how to talk about all the things. There's so many things. Okay. I don't know, but I'm glad to know that finally there's some movement on the Henrietta Lacks situation and hopefully it will expose, as you said, this issue of organ harvesting which of course they're doing it to black people the most that's why we were so heavily involved in fighting for um uh what's the name of the little the the uh oh god i i it it, it baby ra baby amin ra and his sister because remember they were taken from Uh, the family from the mother and father and the internet went crazy Tatiana Ali the actress hit us up like hey I need you guys to help me bring some light to this situation and once once you get more involved with the activists, the CPS activists, which is the child protective services activists, there are kids being taken from their parents every single day. And I mean, in situations like we know that what happened to Amin Ra was crazy. It was crazy. Instead of the system giving them help for the right nutritional diet to support them, take, you know, being vegan and still breastfeeding. And he may not have been getting all the vitamins he needed um, because, you know, breast milk, uh, if, you, if you in your body, if you don't have certain things, of course, it's not translating to the baby properly. That doesn't mean you take them off the breast. It means that the doctor has to give you a, a regimen that's necessary for you to be as healthy as possible to make the baby healthy, but they don't work with you as a vegan because they want you to buy formula. And so it's all, it's all, you know, these people have had so long, my son, to be intentional, very, very intentional, about what they are doing, they are so damn intentional about it. I tell you, but anyway, you know, I. it's funny because as I'm sitting here talking to you in real time, we won't put the child's name on the internet because I mean, on, on our show, out of respect for the parent, but we are very close to a woman whose child has been being attacked in school, bullied and beat up, For the last two years and the school in the last incident where multiple children jumped him this school did not even want i mean at that point the mom was like i'm gonna have people arrested because she didn't know what she doesn't know what else to do the school's not really doing anything about it and these kids have been beating up on this particular child and torturing him and the crazy thing is she moved to a better neighborhood hoping to move him away from the things that were was happening where we all live and it, it hasn't helped and so long story short she's te- and the school refused to turn over the children they don't even want to they won't even bring the parents together for a meeting They will not even bring the parents together for a meeting because they have found that there can be more fights between parents and they don't, they don't have to give the names because the protection of the system and, you know, all of this other shit. And meanwhile, as I'm sitting here talking to you, he had another fight today. He's been fighting his way through school for two years and it happened again today. It's just, And and, and I feel like, you know, there's no excuse for picking up a gun. There's no excuse for knives knives and violence and all of that. But I also understand that our system is so messed up that if, if he was a kid that reacted in that way, yeah, sure, he would be wrong and would have to suffer the consequences. But we would be able to understand that for two years, the system has completely failed him. They've done nothing to protect him. So at this point, he's got to figure out probably how to protect himself. Now, thank himself. Now, thank God he has the kind of family that's there to support him. And he's a good kid, so he would never find himself in that situation. But it's not just picking up a gun. It's also suicide. It's also, you know, depression. All of that can happen to somebody. And it's the system's fault because the system is doing nothing to help him.
3: Yeah, it's it's actually disheartening and sad. Man, he's a good kid, and um, just just hearing the way that they're going about it, like usually, you know, when we were in school and there were situations, parents were called, all parents. There was a meeting. We sat down. Your parents looked at my parents. We looked at each other, and we and we tried to work together to try to stop a situation. Like, and it's the sad that they think that parents are supposed to fight over things that kids are doing like at some point somebody's wrong right and a parent should be able to acknowledge hey, my child if my child is the problem here then i'm going to discipline my child i'm going to communicate with you you let me know anytime there's an issue and that used that used to always cut it off for us you know when we started handling ourselves and there was no parents involved that kept it going but when parents actually got involved and they were in community and they were building with each other i i, I very seldom seen things get out of hand now. if you just come in after somebody's child got beat up and they come they come angry and there's no liaison in between there's no media and nobody's sitting down and trying to talk out and and hash out a situation then that turns into an issue but to just bring two adults together and and, and try to figure out the best solution and have y'all working together to try to You know, calm or situation that makes sense to me. So I don't understand the school's philosophy. I think it's stupid. I think it's stupid. I think it's you know it's counterproductive and it's actually leading to more because, but like you said, two years the same situation has been occurring and 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 whatever the strategy that they're utilizing hasn't worked. You know, I'm just you know I'm just I don't know, man. So much going on, man. I I was at a I was at Kingdome yesterday, dope event, basketball. You know, I'm always a basketball fan in New York. Kingdome was super dope, no problems. Seeing Harlem out, it was like the old Harlem. Back in the days, like with Grant's Tomb in Harlem, we, it just gave me that feel. And then I go home, and then they say, way away from each other, which has nothing to do with it, somewhere else in Harlem, people get shot and killed. Some, one person is killed, it said a young boy, who ironically was a basketball star, is shot and murdered, and nine, nine other people are injured. It's just so many things going on at one time. You know, you just you want like you want to be able to enjoy the good things, and then there's some negative that comes. Man, we just we need a oh we need a reckoning. We need a a wash. <laughs> like we need to we need to whole we need to bury put the whole city in some holy water, man. And just some sage. We need to walk around the streets with sage.
2: Well, I mean, that's not really a bad idea. But what really? I, I will say is that I am predicting that no, e, e, that that it, all the efforts that we are taking, which we now are starting our midnight marches, um, you know, we're uh, fighting for resources. We're doing all the things. I mean, I was having a conversation with the new New York Czar, as you mentioned, A. T. Mitchell. Um, for violence, I was talking to him this morning and he was like, you know, nine people shot in any place from a federal government perspective is a mass shooting that requires mental health services. The truck should be set up. The media should be there. There should be supplies. Everything that's needed should be poured into the community. And they don't do that for us because they don't see our lives the same which is why they moved on so quickly from buffalo move right on because it's it's just you know black folks and the only thing that makes it a little bit more spicy is that it is a it was a white supremacist who committed that crime so therefore it helps some of the political agenda that the media plays into whichever side they may be on but in our situation black and brown people out there killing each other all we have is you know pretty much the act the the activists and you know the community and that's really it and i'm predicting that no matter how much work we do this particular summer is gonna probably be one of the worst summers that we've experienced in a long time in terms of violent crime. I think that we have the ability to turn it around by the time the you know the new year comes around and we get towards next summer. But right now it's, it's gonna take <clears throat> some real brick and mortar work. People gonna have to roll their sleeves up and be outside, literally out in the street. You're not gonna solve this from behind the computer Doing a show, talking on the radio, put even writing the check <laughs> it's, that's going to be a little part of it and and important, but it ain't going to be the whole thing.
3: Yeah, it's, it's going to, like I said that yesterday at the rally. It's going to take it's going to take a, a combined effort. It's it's it's, gonna, it's not a sprint. It's going to be a marathon. It's going to take every. It's going to be lotty Dottie and everybody gonna have to be there we're gonna need activists community people we're gonna need former gang people we're gonna need current gang people we're gonna need youth we're gonna need old. we're gonna need every dimension of our community to come together to put this a dent in with it because there's so much trauma and there's so much normalization of violence at this point right violence has become so normal like i'll be watching and i see kids The kids were shooting at the precinct, in front of the precinct, just walking by, and they just decided they're going to have a shootout in front of the precinct. And it's like, I want to understand the rationale or just the mindset. When I used to walk by a precinct, I didn't want to do anything illegal. Like As soon as I seen a police car, it kind of deterred me. These kids, you know, in, in this generation are not deterred by anything. So that's why I know that law enforcement can't stop the shooting because they're not even deterred by the law enforcement. It's going to take a new influence. It's going to be the culture has to shift to say that shooting and violence and these things are not okay. They're not cool. It has to be frowned upon. The culture has to say it together in order for it to change. You know, because these kids don't care about what law enforcement does or thinks. You know, some of them actually feel like like i remember when we was young i said all the time when you went to jail it was like a badge of honor so some of them feel like it adds to their quote-unquote reputation when they do some time in prison but when they what they don't realize is that when you're not coming home and you're doing 20 and 25 and 30 and 40 years in prison it just it's completely you're losing your life and they find that out within the first couple years of prison so my our job is to make sure that they don't have to find that out that no one has to lose their life no one has to lose their You know, so we're going it's, to it's gonna take a real consorted effort and a combination of all of our skill sets, understandings, emotions, feelings and passions to really put it this.
4: In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot and every dribble is immediately undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real, real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood these are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. You know a spot, but not just
5: a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque.
6: State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future
1: Diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash and loss of appetite.
2: Today, we've got a guest of all guests uh, coming and joining street politicians. I have no idea why this is the first time that Roland Martin is on street politicians, but you know. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I have no idea. I think it's my son's fault.
3: Oh man, <laughs> definitely. I definitely said Roland should have been here about at least three shows already. So.
2: <laughs> I think he's in. sometimes sometimes I think I purposely have not invited Roland because I'm like, he's gonna be too hard. And I and we can't even I can't handle Roland on this topic, but now I'm, I'm me too hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm yeah, happy. Exactly.
2: I'm happy to have you on. That's today. why I got
7: my Haiti shirt. Uh, my Haiti freedom shirt on today. So, <laughs> so people will know who you're Well, are. I'm out working. We're shooting some promo, we're shooting some promos. And so I'm gonna wear the Juneteenth shirt on the show. But I figured my I'll work in the Haiti shirt and I'll wear Juneteenth on the air.
2: Yeah no you we we know that's the reason why we asked you to come and be on today. It was perfect because you are from Texas. Born and, and raised. And when folks are talking about Juneteenth I'm not sure people really understand all the history. You said something the other day that really triggered me, which is that in 1980, Texas acknowledged Juneteenth. So already in 1980, Texas was there, you know, acknowledged. Texas became the first
7: state to make Juneteenth a state holiday. Got to give it up to my Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity brother, the late state representative Al Edwards. He's known Mm -hmm. as the father of Juneteenth. He pushed this issue for years. He was the one that got it over the hump. So Juneteenth had been celebrated for all of those years since 1865 in Texas, but it officially became a state holiday in 1980. And So those of us uh, from Houston, those of us from Texas, you know, we take Juneteenth real personal. And Mm. we were pissed off. We were pissed off. And a lot of people were talking trash by saying, who asked for this? We don't need this because they had no understanding of what Juneteenth meant to us juneteenth was always about uh self uh, reliance about empowerment it was always it wasn't just concerts and barbecues it was also always voter registration it was always uh enlightenment uh and and i think what we are now experiencing we, you're now seeing why people have no clue about history even mm-hmm. the great scientist bill nye just got his butt kicked on social media in the last 24 hours because he claimed that uh, Juneteenth freed the slaves. But no, it didn't.
2: It did People
7: also used to say, oh, y'all Black folks in Texas, y'all was so late. Y'all found out two years late. No, it was issued January 1863, but it was unenforceable because they didn't control the Confederate States. Uh, and then, of course, the war didn't end until April of 1865. And then, of course, when General Granger comes in June 1865, but anybody who's still running around talking about, oh, they freed the slaves, not true. It was in December when the 13th Amendment was actually passed. That actually what officially uh, ended slavery. But then again, it didn't officially end slavery because slavery is still on the books because we have the thing called the prison system. And so Mm -hmm. what I am hopeful, and we're already seeing it, is that by Juneteenth now being a national federal holiday, we're going to have people who now are forced to actually learn American history and know what the hell actually happened in this country and not just believe uh, the fictionalized version or or the half story we've often been told.
2: Well, tell me something real quick, and I know my son, you have uh, a question as well. But what did Juneteenth look like in Texas all these years? Like now, we see off businesses closed, government agencies closed. It was that. It was that. So Every, everything you're seeing the federal level, you you saw in Texas. Uh, I mean, you
7: had again, you had. Businesses that closed. You had celebrations. You had commemorations. Uh, you 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 had you had outdoor concerts. I mean, so all this stuff that you're seeing the national level because you got to remember, others, black people in other states began to also have Juneteenth celebrations. Mm-hmm. So Juneteenth, you saw you saw stuff in North Carolina, in South Carolina, and so it began to be embraced in other all across the South, other parts of the country. And so it became a theme. And that's why when um, it then when it when it got elevated, there was this talk about making a national holiday. That's because Juneteenth had already been celebrated in 20 plus states. And so it had become a thing. And people have to understand this is the only, this is the only national event that even recognizes, mentions, or invokes slavery. Mm. And so, when I hear people say, well, we didn't ask for this, I need people to understand that it's our opportunity to how we also use this. So, CNN aired at the big concert from the Hollywood Bowl. And that's great. But how are you using those same airwaves to educate people on the actual story, the actual history? You got everybody pissed off from the Kohanna Jones and the 1619 Project, uh, and they've ticked off with Black historians like, um, you know, like Dr. Greg Carr, and uh, like uh, and so many others who've been talking about these things for years. But this is the opportunity for us to educate not just African Americans, educate all Americans, because too often we've had uh, really a a horrible, horrible history lesson in this country because we haven't been wanting to tell the true story, all of it. And so this is the opportunity that we actually have.
3: So listening to you, you said that the 13th Amendment was what actually was the freedom. So the the, um, proclamation didn't free the slaves? No, the
7: proclamation only applied to slavery in the states that were in rebellion, the Confederate Mm -hmm. states. But the proclamation also exempted certain border states like Maryland and Missouri. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the Emancipation Proclamation did it wasn't like this frees all slaves in America. No, it was specific to the states that were in rebellion, and Mm -hmm. then there were still exemptions. So slavery still continued after 1863. Right. Then it wasn't until April 9th, 1865, when the Confederates when they surrendered, that then it applied to those states. But in Texas. They, they resisted that, and they kept it going for two more months. And that's when General Granger and those Black troops came in in 1865 and said, no, you're actually free, because they had to send those federal troops to different states to notify the people of the, of the formerly enslaved people of African descent. But again, even then, even then, slavery was not illegal. It wasn't until the 13th Amendment, the first of the three Reconstruction Amendments, Thirteenth, mm-hmm. Fourteenth, and Fifteenth Amendment, but even when the Thirteenth Amendment was passed, it allowed for slavery, and volunt- the involuntary servitude, whatever you want to call it. What the Constitution reads, so slavery in America still and, exists yeah. in our prison system.
2: Mm-hmm. That's right,
7: right, and that's right. why we, that's why Tamika, you and I have just talk about this beforehand while we have to deal with this issue. So, like, I personally believe. That companies should not be using prison labor. Absolutely, because if we understand our history, after the, after the Reconstruction period, those same uh, racist Southern plantation owners needed black folks to work the land, so the peonage system came into place. So they literally created systems to keep pe- black people enslaved, and so then you had all of these laws, these 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 minor mm-hmm. infractions that led to long prison terms to keep people of African descent still working the lane. Hmm. And so that's why if you read uh, the book, um, uh, um, uh, oh God, why is it it escaping me? Uh, And I follow him, want to pull a surprise. Uh, That's why I always say it's called slavery without shackles. Hmm. Uh, Jim Crow was slavery without shackles, but the system still exists
2: sharecropping still exists. So you talking about slavery by another name. Yeah,
7: sorry,
2: slavery by another name. Yeah, uh, but, uh, so, Alexander, right? Yeah, no, 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 not Michelle
7: Alexander. My so man, not Michelle. He was, Michelle, a, he was a reporter. Case. He's a yeah. reporter with it. with the Atlanta Constitution. It's a great book. Um, yeah. So, but, but that's why I'm always telling people that. Um, look, understand what happened after. Uh, Douglas Black, Douglas Black, mm-hmm. slavery by another name. Mm-hmm. Um, called the re-enslavement of Black Americans from the Civil War to World War II. Mm-hmm. That's called slavery without shackles. And so, which now means. If we're having this Juneteenth conversation and we're discussing the Mass Passion Proclamation, we're discussing the pH system, we're discussing this. Now we're getting into the economics.
3: Mm, mm, wait, and now, you go there? now
2: we, see that's 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 yeah, why yeah, I know. you can't I wanna, ignore the holiday. I want us to go there to talk about the commemoration side and the commitment side because we've been you've been talking about equity right like that's what makes this whole thing important but before you go there we're still on the historic piece right so yeah. we talk, so right now what we're learning is that there were many layers and levels to what freedom was supposed to be yes but you're saying that the folks in texas i just want to make sure we're clear on this the folks in texas it's not that they were just late and slow But there was an actual attempt to to stop the people from Texas from learning anything about it until the black troops arrived. Now, the question I have for you is, did the black troops go? Because I think you said they traveled around to many places. Were there other states like Texas that they had to go to that were late in terms of being uh,
0: free? You
7: got to remember, you got to remember, during that period, um, those southern states resisted. So they placed federal troops in state capitals
3: mm. to make
7: sure those state lawmakers did not continue with the level of racism. So remember, Reconstruction lasts 10, 12 years. Mm-hmm. W.B. Dubois' book put it at 20 years. But so when you got to the election of 1876, it was a contested election. Mm-hmm. So the Great Compromise of 1877 was, all right, we gonna let Hayes become president. We Southern Democrats, we promise to leave the Negroes alone. Mm. So I, we need y'all to withdraw the last, there were three states where Southern where federal troops remain in the state capitol to keep those Southern states from essentially reimposing slavery. Damn. So the deal was cut in 18, so that's why it's called the Great Compromise of 1877. Well, Black Republicans blasted their own party for agreeing to that deal. It was a contested election in 1876. So the deal was, Southern Democrats said, all right, we'll let Republican Hayes becomes president, but y'all have got to agree to remove the federal troops from the last three Southern states. The Republicans agreed to that. The worst decision ever, because the moment they did that, those racist Southern Democrats immediately mm. reimposed Jim Crow, and that's the, that was the beginning of Jim Crow, which lasted for the next ninety-two years. And that's how you saw a systematic, you saw a systematic change. You remember, get Great Compromise of eighteen seventy-seven. You had a Supreme Court. You had the Plessy versus Ferguson decision, but then you had the Supreme Court invalidating the Civil Rights Act, I think it was 1875, where they literally ruled Congress could not outlaw discrimination, and the Supreme Court opened that particular door. And then you had those Black state legislators who were then kicked out of Congress, kicked out of the United States Senate. And then, of course, in 1890, you had the Mississippi Constitutional Convention where they said, we are tired of Black people getting elected to statewide office and so they changed the constitution of Mississippi. And there was a guy named Isaiah T. Montgomery, an mm-hmm. African-American. He was the only black person who was attending it. He voted along with those racists, to strip the power of the vote from black people. And as a result, that's why whenever you, whenever we call out, I don't use words like Uncle Tom, sell out, Oreo. I don't use, I don't allow those to be used. But when I see there's a black Republican uh, who, uh, will, who, will, uh, who, will, who will diss black folks, I call them a modern day Isaiah T. Montgomery. Ooh. And he owned businesses. And, and to this day, his name is Mudd in Mississippi because of that decision. But they were angry with black advancement. And the thing that, Tamika, that people don't understand that is so frustrating is that, yo, after after uh, Methodist Proclamation and the ending of the Civil War, black people stop, start getting elected and if you read James D. Anderson's book, The Education of Blacks in the South, 1860, 65 to 1930, what you will realize is that black people put in the state constitution in the South for publicly financed education. Mm-hmm. Right. Those were black le- legislators. And when they booted all the black folks out and changed the laws, they kept that provision right there. So we owe bl- freed slaves. For there being taxpayer-funded education uh, in the South as a result of them being elected to office. And so all of that, all of that history um, is, is really a part of Juneteenth. And so this, this constant battle for freedom. So it wasn't that they were free. No, they were free from being enslaved, but they were still not free. So mm-hmm. what we have in Texas have been saying all these years that we are in a constant battle for freedom mm-hmm. that we still are not free we simply were no longer enslaved
3: amen so wh- what do you think that we should be doing now how should we be commemorating juneteenth like as as a people what should be the next steps there too there's a we should be commemorating and
7: celebrating mm-hmm. but there should be a mission involved politically registering people to vote. Two, we should be creating freedom schools where we literally are teaching this history. Mm-hmm. Uh, those freedom schools existed in the civil rights movement. And in fact, Marion Wright Edelman's group, Children's Defense Fund, they actually still do the freedom schools. They do the training at Alex Haley's former farm in Tennessee. Um, and funny, because I was on the train with her from New York, and she told me about that. And I didn't even know that. And I said, wow, Marion, I literally have been talking about freedom schools in my speeches for a decade. Mm We talked about how we needed that. But thirdly, we should be using Juneteenth as black economics. Mm -hmm. In terms of, we should be saying, and again, I'm being very, I I don't care. We should be saying, if you're having events, are you using black caterers, black transportation companies, black PR companies, black event planners, black audiovisual companies? Black videographers, and all of that, because I've long said, America has never really had a problem with Black people. We made America money. The problem is, we never benefited economically Mm -hmm. uh, from this. And so this should be an economic conversation. That also was a thing that we talked about that we also understood in Texas as well. This is about economics. Mm -hmm. This is about ensuring that we're not throwing parties, and then we're not benefiting from it. We have to contend with this wealth gap, this black wealth gap that is one-tenth that of whites in this country. And that means, and it's just, I totally understand people with the reparations argument and the reparations debate that's going on, but that's still hoping, trying to convince somebody to actually pass reparations. I'm going after the money that's on the table right now. and And, and, my, and again, where I am is where King was. You read that April 3rd, 1968 speech and listen to it. It's a 43 minute and 16 second speech. We get caught up in, I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen the promised land. No, 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 no. Go back where he talked about redistribute the pain. Where he talked about supporting black businesses. Where he talked about going to places and shopping where they respect us, employing us. Go back and read Martin Depp's book on Operation Breadbasket. Uh, in in 1965, 1971, and look at that particular book where they talked about what they did and how when they they went after those companies, they were asking them to hire Black people in senior management, hire Black people on frontline jobs, invest money in Black banks, hire Black companies uh, as contractors. And so part of the problem that I think that we've had is we've gotten so caught up in solely social justice, criminal justice reform, voting rights, which are all important but if you do not deal with the money, mm-hmm. then you're right. not actually dealing with America. Mm-hmm. America is about the money. Mm-hmm. There is one federal agency that shares along with the White House. You can They can literally play flag football together. You walk a hundred steps out of this building, you're so, in the East treasury. Wing. That's mm-hmm. the Department of Treasury.
2: treasury right. White House
7: is power, treasury is money. And so that's the thing that we have to be on. And so, I don't talk about money as this is love of money, but every problem that we talk about, finances has a direct correlation to that issue.
3: That's a fact. We say that all the time, like you just said, they didn't didn't fear Martin the dreamer, they got mad when he woke up. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to give us the dreamer and tell us, they never tell us about when he woke up. But here's the deal though, here's the deal though, Even, even if you use that, if I talk about
7: the dream, the same folk didn't even listen to that speech. Mm. That was a radical economic speech. Absolutely. But see, again, so I'm gonna use it this way. The dream part of King's speech is the hoop part of a preacher's right. sermon. That's the hoop part. Oh, right. that's when he started. He's he get he's he's you know, he's rhyming and and and, and an organism is playing. But so when church is always about the man has to preach that thing, then you say, What did he preach about? And you got three points, and then they say. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't really know, but man. He preached that thing, which means you can't tell me the, the, scripture,
2: the scripture, and you the can't
7: tell me the three points. <laughs> but you got caught up in the hoop part, so that I have a dream, the mountaintop. That's the hoop
2: part, but the, the, hope, thesis, the hope part, the hope part, hoop and hope. If we can put those things together, right? Because yeah, that, that's the that's the that's the if You're we can achieve it, you can't see that. That's the make you feel good part. That's right. But That's you've
7: right. got to deal with the thesis right. or the scripture, which is what he laid out when he said they gave us a check stamp insufficient funds. Mm-hmm. And so that was the whole deal. So the battle for the 40 acres and a mule, the battle for right land rights, uh, the amount of black land that was stolen uh in this country, black people who were literally run out of Arkansas, and Mississippi, and Texas and Alabama, fleeing racism, fleeing uh, you know, black black husbands. Uh, running out because they said, we will kill you if y'all stick around. Black people literally left acres of land because of safety. You think about Tulsa. uh, You think about uh, the brother who owned the Black newspaper who fled from Tulsa. And then they tried to blame it on him and he opened a Black newspaper in Buffalo. That's economics. And so this is what I'm talking about. And so many of our people ain't got no clue about any of this. And so I want us to use Juneteenth. And Black History Month and MOK's birthday to expand this. I keep telling people don't play I Have a Dream or the Mountaintop uh, part at any MLK event unless you're going to play the other part.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Roland, let me, let me, so now I got to go all the way back. This is the end. We, we we done. we at the end of your education today. I done told you <laughs> that your new job is to start some type of educational forum if you will for activists young activists where they can hear that because it's one thing to put a book in someone's hand right right you've been giving me books to read and i've been reading along for a while tiffany lofton we read along but it is something else to hear you say the things that you just said and then get interested enough where you want to be fed more and that's the congress of negro women building and that's what drives people to that's read. Right. I had some, when, when we did a uh, session together uh, last week on June 10th with on a person, Friday you Info, get there. Lux, Info yep. And when you got off, um, they asked me. A, a woman said that she was struggling with helping getting her children, especially her sons, to sit down and read. She said it's really difficult. It's the hardest part of their educational experience. And what I said to her is it's the content, it's what you're giving them to read. Why? To your point after school, at home, right. if you want them to read, you have to be able to give them things that's interesting. Well, the, the thing about what you're doing in terms of educating people is you make folks interested enough to go read the content, right, the, the material. They don't want to just read when you're telling them that basically white people had everything. Black folks was just slaves and there's not no stories except Martin Luther King and Rosa totally wrong. And that's the end of the totally whole wrong, yeah. history lesson. But that's not what I want to talk about. I'm going back to your first point about people who said, we don't need Juneteenth. I didn't say we don't need Juneteenth, but I was certainly one of those saying, we are calling for this, this, and this, criminal justice yes. issues. Yes. We're calling for marijuana reform. We want people released. We, all of it. we want gun money for gun violence. And y'all giving us this holiday, and what we were concerned about is yep. that we would get a holiday and not get the other yes. legislative items that need to move. That brings yeah. now, now. So we already understand, you know that, and you agree with that. But also, you're saying Juneteenth is important because it forces us to have those other conversations. It forces people to say, if you believe in observing a the holiday, then you should believe in giving us what Juneteenth is supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. That's not even my point. I saw uh, in the last couple of days that you were in a heated exchange with other people that I respect intellectually. Uh, On Twitter, y'all were going back and forth about the Asian hate bill versus the uh, African-American hate bill. And I see both sides. I see you saying that under the civil rights, um, uh, the civil rights, what is it called? The civil Civil Rights Act. Civil Rights Act, that's the word, um, that it does cover hate crime issues, right? But then I see these individuals saying, well, how come we can get an Asian bill, an LGBTQIA bill? Now, check this out. I know the Asian bill happened. you got Mitch McConnell's wife, an Asian woman. You've got a whole Congress that was on the same page about voting for the Asian hate bill. But black folks do want to see, just like we got Juneteenth, they want to see something that says African American protection. You
7: skip one. You okay. skip one. Go. The Matthew Shepard, James Byrd Act.
2: Oh, I see. I don't know that one.
7: Tell yeah. me that one. was a that was a hate crimes bill. Hmm. It was named after Matthew Shepard, the uh uh the, the gay young man who was killed, and James Byrd. It is called the Matthew Shepard, James Byrd Hate Act. And it's and it and that's again, that's Specifically named after a gay white boy and a black man. And it was and that was in response to hate crimes. And so what people have to understand is that, and, I, and this is why I walk people through the impetus for the COVID-19 hate act was the attack on Asians. That was the impetus. But the impetus does not mean it's only for them or it was only about them. So This year is the 50th anniversary of Title IX, right? If you're a woman, you're like, man, I'm glad we have Title IX. Title IX wasn't about sports. Mm. Title IX actually was about opening the professional schools to women. So you had an explosion of women doctors, dentists, lawyers, engineers, you name it, because of Title IX. Ask the average person where does Title IX come from? It mm. is a provision of the Civil Rights Act. Mm. Mm. As, somebody, as somebody who's disabled with the American with the Disabilities Act, do you know how that got passed? It's a provision of the Civil Rights Act.
3: Mm. Well, listen, Mark, I, I, well, I got to add one thing. I got to okay. add one
7: thing. Why were women even put in the Civil Rights Act? Because the racist state representative out of Virginia, I think his last name was Smith, he thought that's what was going to kill the bill to put women in in fact, it got more votes. So what people are arguing when they say they want to see a specific bill for us, you can't laws that are passed by Congress don't apply just to
3: one particular group. But that's not when you see when you hear the word Asian, right? That's that's the particular group. Asian. It's not one. in
7: the it's not in the bill. No, it's not. It so it's called, not for the Asian bill. No, no, it is not. It is called the COVID nineteen Hate Act. That's what the bill is called. Mm-hmm. It is. It is not. It was. It was. It was. It was because you had a tax on Asians, this dramatic increase. You had individuals who were saying, "We need some protection." If you actually read the bill, it literally does not apply to just Asians. The pretext of the bill describes these things that have happened to Asians. But when you read the bill, when you read the remedies, the remedies apply to everybody. The creation of a database that applies, that's not only Asian attacks that go in, that's attacks, as any hate crime attack goes into that database. So so when you read, so it's, so the bill actually, it's not a strong bill it doesn't actually do a lot in fact the bill that was passed by the house after the buffalo shooting actually is a stronger bill against uh white domestic terrorists well
3: say black basically you're saying the 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 possibility of us getting a bill that says black is not gonna happen
2: because 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 roland before you answer that The issue is marketing, right? You've got the White House using the word Asian. You have have also Congress talking about the Asian hate crime, and you had the Asian community being very, very grateful for what happened, and there are elected officials and others stepping forward. Why is it so hard? Because now you got LGBT. That's just signed the other day. That may not be the name of the system. That was an executive order. Is executive. Up. What is the problem? And that's what I'm saying I hear you. Hold up. But how, but how was how was the 64 Civil Rights Act? So that was black. Okay. Well, but Guess what? Guess what? We need it again. We need to do it now. Something again. Again. Okay. But 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 again. Okay. So we want the Civil Rights Act again when you already have a Civil Rights Act. Well, I don't know so much about the Civil Rights Act again, but I do. So, so know. okay. So so what is the bill? What is the bill that people want? What's the bill? Definitely something around lynchings because we haven't even passed that, have we? No, no, it's passed. It's already been signed in the law. It's passed. When, when was that? That was last year or something? Yeah, it was it passed. It just happened. It just happened. No, no, no. Right, right, right. But it, okay. Right. But Respect. the point is they didn't say they weren't walking around saying it's the black anti-lynching bill. They never used that language. Every time it seems like everything that has to do with black people, the language that's used is inclusive. No, 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 no. The George Floyd, perfect example. The George Floyd
7: Justice Act apply, will apply to everybody. Mm-hmm. That bill has actually been positioned essentially as a black bill.
2: Okay, but rolling.
7: you get No, my- no, 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 no. No, no. Again though. Again. This is what I'm trying to understand. Do we want do we want the remedy or do we want them to say black when they've actually said black before? Are we saying we want to hear in 2022? Because I'm Again, saying, yeah, I'm saying I think that well, no. So, I'm I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is literally when the Civil Rights Act was passed, that was black When the the Matthew Shepard, James, James Burt Act was passed, that was gay and black. So So we've actually had it before. So so (laughs) the problem is is, we've actually had bills before where black was mentioned. It was called the so-called Black Bill Voting Mm -hmm. Rights Act. Even though that applies to a variety of people, that's always been framed as a black issue. Mm -hmm. And so but it sounds to me like people today are like, well, I wasn't around and I want to hear black now. But to act as
2: if that hasn't happened is simply factually incorrect. But to, but, but, to, but but I think I think it's true that we haven't been around, right? I'm 42, so the history that you have there is new. There's th- new information for me to learn every day. But what I will say is that the challenges that we are facing require new and improved mm-hmm. approaches, right? And we know that there needs to be new ways, just like, the George, Floyd, new new remedy, just like the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Had to be passed because there needs to be new remery, remedies, or had to be signed the executive order because right. there needs to be new remedies to deal with policing. But it's not enough. We're still dealing with mass things.
7: Right. We're still so what. Spe- so what specifically do we want?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
7: Well, I see mean- here is the deal. Here is the deal. I don't. I don't waste time with people like yo. We need a black bill. Okay. What's the bill? Well, and then what? And then. What's like what's the bill? I'm,
2: so then- I'm gonna tell you this, and we're gonna we're gonna um end this for now, but obviously there's need for much more dialogue on screen, off screen, on Twitter, off Twitter, because we have to all get educated because we all on the same side. The the one thing I will say is that in that Asian hate bill, which you said is the COVID, COVID-19, uh, yeah, yeah, COVID-19 hate act 19 hate act, there were resources. That was specifically earmarked for therapeutic services, and you know, and and services basically to address dealing with violence within the Asian. So who? Community. No, that's not true. That is
7: simply oh, not wait, true. What? That is not true. Any group can apply. No, I'm trying to tell you, any group can apply for the funds. Okay, well they're doing a help. You're doing a better no, job. I'm, I'm telling you. I, I'm telling you. I, I literally. I literally. Read the bill on the air. The woman who actually put the provision in with the money responded to the tweet to, to one of the tweets. So again, the grant that you're talking about, any group, any community group can apply. Okay, I'm just so telling the you, the money is not the money is not only for
2: Asian groups to apply. That's, okay, but they're not that's doing no, a good job. They're not doing a good job. Of, oh, of I, I, that, that's that's no shock. And I promise you that black folks who are dealing with mass shootings on the streets of America, right. don't know that they can go apply right now to get no. mental which,
7: health support. Which is why I need those black people to watch Roland Martin Unkilled in the Black Star <laughs> Network. Because the reality, is, <laughs> the reality is, you're not going to get information from these other sources. They're only gonna talk about that. And that's precisely why. All of that stuff that I heard from people, that's why I said, y'all, here's the bill here's the language somebody hit me off in the chat bro what about the money I'm like they put in 30 million I'm like what does it say right here these are the groups that the money is for and so there are federal that are look if you when you talk about okay LGBT guess what if there are resources there for LGBT black LGBT groups should be applying We shouldn't be well that's the white folks no you black and gay or lesbian boom apply for the funds. What we have to understand is, and, that's, and this is all I'm saying, I need our people not to be so locked and loaded on the emotional part. I need us locked on the factual part and moving it forward. And so we know the impact of the George Floyd Justice Act. I have told the families directly on the anniversary of his birth, of, of of his death, I said, y'all should call, y'all should make a public call for President Joe Biden to have a meeting at the White House with y'all and law enforcement, and and tell Scott, Graham, and McConnell to be at the meeting as well. I said, because I told Ben Trump, I said, to get this thing back on track. I said, now, here's the deal. Y'all call for it. If Biden doesn't do it, that's on him. We can kick his ass. I said, but if he does it and Republicans don't show up, we know exactly who we can target. But what I'm not going to do, what I'm not going to do, and this is where my studying of our history comes in, what i am not going to do is get stopped at the emotional door and not focus on getting the results and i think unfortunately too many of our people are caught up in well we didn't it don't say this what does it say what does it do and i want us also focused on that cuz we have to get stuff done
2: but there's certainly much more need for conversation yes. about this, and i and I love it because we all we got to be brought up to speed because we're not going to be able to make any change if we just agree. you know if we don't know the information. So. Right, and that's and that's why black owned media is so important
7: because that's look, because right. because again, we're going to read the bills, mm-hmm. we're gonna go get the information, we're gonna sit. Look, we going after the sources. And that's the problem. And, and I'm be honest with you, a lot of our folks spend more time retweeting something MSNBC or CNN said than what we talk about. The people are like, we didn't know. That's why we exist. Five days a week, we every day, every day, because we. I don't. I don't want us depending upon somebody else who's not going to give us the information.
2: Roland Martin, unfiltered. Thank you for being with us today. Thank Roland. you. We appreciate you coming it. back for show. And, well, y'all download the, download the Black
7: Star Network app because that way, if YouTube or Facebook block us, trust us, we own the app and it won't be blocked. That's right. Thank you.
3: That's right. Thank you. Appreciate so it. Nice. Appreciate
7: Love it. You. All right.
4: In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC.
0: All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue with its power dc turbo engine
1: well we had time to see all the animals whoa (laughs) and outrun a few drive the nissan rogue seeing
5: our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at black tech green money state farm insurance also cares about the growth of black communities
1: tests, diarrhea, hair thinning, or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite.
2: That's how we own it. Roland has so much information in him. It's like,
3: <sighs> I mean, but, but it's a lot, right? And there's so many different perspectives. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of other friends who have different perspectives and, they, and they're all educated, right? Well, all people are
2: brilliant. brilliant. Brilliant people. Come on, brilliant. And, we ain't talking about. Joe Blow from over the road. We talk about people who also study and they and I'm sure they have a perspective to respond to what he just said as well. Um but it definitely helps me. Like I'm I'm because I couldn't understand exactly what was happening. So now that he explains what his position is, I get why he continued to push his point. But I still understand the point that they were making in terms of the idea that the administration went out and marketed these bills in a certain the, way
3: the reality is that black is not a good marketing they structure. don't want to
2: use the they word nothing.
3: they don't want to use it just like when you was talking about the marbury Ma case right and you talked about how you know um bannon and others had wanted them to specifically point how this was racism that mm-hmm. the, you know that the um the attorney was using mm-hmm. and the A white woman who did an excellent job, she chose not to focus on that, right? She wanted she because in the eyes of a lot of people in America, white people in America, it's not something that they want to identify with, right? They don't want to, they don't want to focus on the fact that America is racist. They don't want to focus on the fact that these things are specifically happening to white people, right? So they want to put us all into this one category and say okay blacks will be able to benefit more and it will actually happen if we don't focus it primarily on blacks and that's just the strategy that america uses and a lot of us aren't comfortable with that we no, just No you got
2: to call it out direct but we you have to call
3: it out direct until we make them uncomfortable enough to where they do the things that they need to do for us directly
2: Listen, we got so much going on for Juneteenth. We did get a lot of information from Roland, and we need to actually cut the show so we could go jump on a Juneteenth uh, celebration and uh, commemoration event with our brother, uh, Reverend Stephen A. Green. So yep. there is, unfortunately, we moving, moving, moving. And, you know, I think that's what, that's what it's all about. It's cool that we do a podcast, but it's even more important that we're on the ground because they have at this evening, we've got to be somewhere for Brittany Griner. I mean, by the time folks get to see uh, this episode, like you said, we
3: need to be doing things. Yeah,
2: by think- the time people see this episode in a, in just two days, we would have done more work than many folks do all year long in terms of their their activism. So,
3: with that said, I'm not gonna always be right. Tamika D. Mallory is not going to always be wrong, but we will both always, and I mean always, be authentic. Juneteenth. Peace.
2: Peace. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio.
3: And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWomen.tv. That's how we own it!
4: In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble...